Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to a new episode of Leadership Conversations. I'm Frederick Otto, the founder of the Sustainability Board Report, TSBR. And I'm here with Helena Gudjonsdottir, a project manager and co-host of Leadership Conversations. Today we have a leader on the podcast that has done it all. Marga Höck started as a CEO and then subsequently moved into a portfolio career. Always having been passionate about sustainability, she gives us a great overview of what it takes to lead a sustainable business. Helena, over to you for the summary of today's episode. Yeah, thank you, Frederick. So it's really exciting to welcome Marka. She has, as you said, done it all, been in various roles and really accomplished in this space. She takes us through her leadership journey and sort of how she has evolved and shaped her vision as to what makes a leader and what leadership actually means for a company. I really like when she you know, discusses being a leader is a privilege and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. Now, I think the sort of thread throughout the conversation with Marga today is understanding the commercial opportunities that lie within sustainability and that space. Also understanding how technology can help us achieve sustainability in the form that we're seeking. We discuss, as you mentioned, sort of the players in the field and how important it is for non-executives and executives to drive the conversation. She even quotes, if I may, calling the CEO as the chief sustainability officer and really the one driving the conversation. Overall, it gives us a really holistic view of what it takes to lead an organization in this changing space that we're in. But Freddie, is there anything that stood out for you before we dive into the episode? I agree with you. It's a great synopsis of what it takes to lead a sustainable business. We're talking about the responsibility of individuals, the leadership uh, imperative. And I don't want to give too much away, but we hear some wisdom uh, of a grandfather. And of course, the sustainability business case. But we are also talking around the approach that investors are taking and how far we are with that. And I think there will be some surprises and she also specializes in the role of technology in the sustainability transition. So really exciting and uh, yeah, a great half an hour that we will be spending right now. Without further ado, let's go into the episode. On today's episode, we feature Marga Höck, a visionary on sustainable business and capital and a successful innovative business leader. She is a non-executive director for various international companies after a successful CEO and executive career, as well as an appreciated and sought-after boardroom advisor. Marga was ranked by Thinkers50 as one of the top 30 new management thinkers in the world and awarded gold medals for both of her best-selling books, The Trillion Dollar Shift and New Economy Business. Marga, great pleasure that you're joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. Could you tell us a little bit more about your background, your leadership journey, and the current work that you focus on? Of course, with pleasure. So from a relatively young age on, I had a thrill for leadership. 
And that resulted in me, and you could say that is actually the first phase of my career, did multiple CEO roles for a mid-sized company, for a listed company, and for a public company, for the government. And throughout these leadership roles, you could say I've evolved and I developed a vision on how I think leadership for companies should look like. And that was actually fed by the idea that my grandfather told me being that leadership is a privilege and comes with a lot of responsibility. And being aware of that, I noticed throughout my CEO roles, there's actually a great opportunity in being a CEO of a company to not only provide good results for the company financially, but also to do good in the world and that both are actually synergizable in a positive way rather than in a negative way. So that was the most motivating part for me to be a CEO. And when I became aware of that notion, I innovated more and more to see how can I grow my company, but in a way that I give back more to the world than I take. In other words, that my company has a positive impact on the world, doing that in a way that simultaneously I unlock new markets and I create financial success for my company. To prove that business for good is good business was my key motivator. And because I was successful at that, that led to my next phase in my career to become the CEO of the Dutch Sustainable Business Association and Dutch Sustainable Science Association, which was a thrilling role because, you know, I oversaw over 250 companies, made connections between them, created new policies and deals with the government than had been done so far. So I was front edge on all developments around sustainable business and investments. I have done that for many years. And at some point I had the wish to hand over the realm of the executive role and move on to non-executive roles for multiple companies. And in parallel, I started to writing more and more. I had done that of course a lot throughout my executive roles. But then I found, you know, if all these articles in newspapers, they disappear quite quickly. So it was a motivation to think, okay, how can I do that also in a sustainable way? And that led to my first book, which you just mentioned, New Economy Business, and later on the trillion dollar shift about the SDGs and how they actually create business opportunities. So then I joined companies in non-executive roles in the financial sector and outside the financial sector, for instance, at Egon in the Netherlands, Suzy Partners, a renewable energy and infrastructure fund in Switzerland, and so on. I advise boards. I continue to write books and try to have as much impact around the world as I possibly can. Fantastic. And I know from previous conversations that we had that you are very passionate about bringing that sustainable uh, and ESG narrative to board level as well. You just said you were fascinated by the commercial opportunities that sustainability brings with it as well. So if we switch to the boardroom now, what do you think the challenges are in implementing a meaningful ESG agenda? Well, Multiple. I think it's important to look at it from both the executive and the non-executive side. So imagine you have a CEO that is really willing and able to take on the ESG challenges and opportunities for a company. Then, of course, it's a transformational agenda for the company. 
So that is tough for a CEO and his team and everybody in the company to achieve that. Well, then there's also the non-executive board. And to be fair, Frederick, overall, the non-executive board lags behind the executive board because it makes sense. Those people in general are older because they're former CEOs and former executives. And it's quite a new thing at a board level, and with board, then I mean the non-executive board, to really advise, control, and demand a sustainable strategy for the company. And so a lot of changes are needed at non-executive board level to really support such a sustainable strategy for a company, demand it, and control it, and the multiple roles the non-executive board uh, has. And there's a lot of work to be done. There are some good examples, but a lot of work needs to be done to really change that. And when we look at the business as a whole, who should be driving the agenda? Should it be the board? Should it be the executive committee? Should it be the chair specifically? Can you point to any particular players that should be driving this conversation around sustainable business? Well, ultimately, I always say the CEO is the chief sustainability officer. And by that, I mean, it needs to be in the hands of the CEO, not that the uh, sustainability officer is less important, but he's the captain on this journey. So he really has to put sustainability at the heart of the strategy of the company. If that's not the case, it will never really work out. So the CEO is key. Equally, at the non-executive board, it's the chairman that really has to drive it. I, mean, I see many situations where an expert is being brought in to the board saying, oh, we need ESG, so we need an ESG expert in the board. But that's actually not what you need because you need leadership, not only expertise. So at the non-executive board level, it's really the chairman that needs to lead it. That doesn't mean it's not a good idea because it is to set up a sustainability committee at the board level because it is because, you know, with all transformations, you need to give specific attention to it at the board level and a sustainability committee with some expert members can definitely help. But there's two captains at different levels, the CEO and the chairman, and they have to really drive it. I could not agree more with that especially that leadership piece often is forgotten. We always talk about, like you say, expertise, experts, SMEs, and so on. But if there is no courageous leader to drive that, then you have a problem, right? And I think we hear more and more that adjective courageous, that this is so key for implementing this agenda. Okay, great. Marga, let me ask you something else. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that you are also very involved with the investor community. What is the role of capital and that changing ESG requirements of capital, what role does that play in the sustainable future? Well, capital obviously steers the world. Huh? Money makes the world go round, and the direction is being determined by the way that capital is being invested. Everything you invest in will grow. So that's hugely important. Now, of course, there's a lot of talk about ESG investment, and that is good. We've seen throughout the pandemic, especially, a huge growth in capital, more being ESG-related, and things like sustainable investing, ESG investing, and all of that has seen stunning growth. So that is good. 
But I always say it's not about the growth we see, it's about the market share. You know, if it's, for instance, if something was 2% and it grows 10 times, then it's still only 20%. And we need the majority of capital, or actually all capital, to be ESG invested. So we must have a much higher ambition and not say where we come from, there's a huge growth. No, it has to be a solution to the problem, a solution to the challenge. So we need much more growth. That would be my first notion. Secondly, of course, ESG investing is a nice trendy word, but I've read some reports saying, okay, now we have the EU taxonomy with the three buckets, non-sustainable, sustainable and impact. But if you look at the mid-bucket where the majority of capital lies now, the majority doesn't even relate to the targets of Paris. So in other words, we call it sustainable investing, but I believe between 60 and 70% of all those investments actually don't agree with the climate agreement of Paris. So it's not a solution to a problem then. And the same even applies to funds and investors that call themselves climate or any kind of that investment, but they are even, half of them are below the emission of Paris. Of course, that doesn't apply to the third bucket being the impact bucket, but there's very little capital that lives up to the requirements of that. So what we need to do is not only grow the amount of sustainable investment, but also the radicality, really the ambition those funds have, have to be hugely raised. Otherwise, we can all talk about this being a great movement, but if the ambition is too low, it's actually not a solution to the problem. And what is the trajectory that we are on right now? What are the discussions that you have as a board member with investors? Do you think that's improving or are you skeptical at this point? It's definitely improving. I mean, with growth comes development in that sense. So uh, people are wising up. We need people to wise up even more. But I think we are approaching a turning point in that regard. And that also has to do with the market shift. Huh? Consumers and consumers also being private investors and companies uh, are changing rapidly because next generations, millennials, Generation Z, I mean, they vote with their wallet, so to say. So the clients of the investors, they want to change much more than former generations. So I think we'll see a rapid development and growth. Interesting. And Marga, I would like to tap into your entire wisdom. And I know that you do some work around technology as well. You said about the capital piece, you know, it's not really a 100% solution to our problem. Can you talk about technology being a solution and how far reaching that is right now? Technology is exciting. I think it's the biggest accelerator we have on achieving what I talk a lot about, the Sustainable Development Goals Agenda in 2030. In other words, sustain, a holistic way of sustainability. Because it makes things possible that weren't before. It makes it possible to do it faster. And it makes it possible to do it at a larger scale. Currently, I write a, a new book about technology for good. And it's about how we can synergize the advanced technologies like artificial intelligence, robotics, internet of things, blockchain, and so forth, with our sustainability ambitions. 
And synergizing them is a great opportunity. It makes things possible that weren't possible before. We can track traces by blockchain on cotton throughout the world, for instance, with a Google Cloud and other systems. We can localize and prevent deforestation. We can clean hospitals with robots, etc., etc. Those opportunities are huge. Yet we have to build on trust in technology and we have to safeguard legislation, governance, etc. around it to work it, have it work in a positive way. So that is quite a challenge, but the opportunity is huge. Yeah, I think this was all a great synopsis of the challenges and opportunities in sustainable business right now. Marga, perhaps we can bring it back a little bit to your involvement in all of this. Can you talk to us what you are passionate about? Have you come across any new projects that excite you? Any Anything that we should be watching now? What do you have in the pipeline? Well, multiple things, of course. So I work with in and with non-executive boards. And what is inspiring currently is that quite a number of chairmen approach me, so other than my own boards, approach me with the question, how am I going to do this? Being aware that their company, for instance, has signed up to the World Economic Forum Non-Financial Metrics, and they see themselves forced by signing that to apply it. And more and more chairmen take the initiative to at least ask, how am I going to do this? in a broader sense than just appointing somebody who's in charge in their boards. So they feel more and more personally responsible for taking on that challenge. I think that's a very, very positive thing. Secondly, I see many more tools coming in that help boards to be able to do that. So for instance, I mentioned the World Economic Forum Non-Financial Metrics. I'm quite a fan of that because it integrates multiple instruments brings them together in one thing so that it's easier as a board to oversee it. You know, if a company has like six, eight organizations they work with and they all require different kinds of information for a board, it's very difficult to steer on it and, and to monitor. And when it is being brought together, then it's more comprehensive and much easier to work with and to implement for boards. So I think that is a great development and I see more and more companies taking that on and more and more chairman to take that on. I see a growing amount of companies that really set up a sustainability committee. I think it's something you researched in the past. All these things in the end are temporarily because in the end, we want sustainability to be a logical part of the strategy of the company. And you shouldn't necessarily have to have a separate committee for it. But whilst being in the transition, it's hugely important to really push this agenda. And I see more and more companies setting that up in a professional way. I think that's very helpful. Some do it this way, by the way. Some set up an external advisory council. I mean, the structure is not a means in itself. Both can work. But it's important to see that that happens more and more. I see many CEOs really entering what I call the shared value perspective, you know, combining sustainability and positive impact with their financial agenda. DSM had that great slogan. And at that time, they were alone when Feike Seibisman started with it saying purpose-driven performance led. 
the combination of those two, the integration of those two, I see that one liner more and more um, with CEOs, and which is good because it makes it clear that both are integrated together. So that purpose-driven performance-led agenda is coming up more and more. And the word purpose is becoming more and more important. Currently, I do a lot of work with boards that say, you know, we want it, but what is really our purpose? And to really ask that question is very important because you don't just get a purpose, it's who you are. And to define who you are, the same applies to us as a person, is quite a profound question to answer and not an easy one to answer. And I see more and more companies to really go deep, to really know and identify their purpose. And once you have that, both the executive and the non-executive board can really work with that. So I find that very positive. Like uh, we mentioned, I'm finishing up my book, Tech Technology for Good, that will come out second quarter of the year. And I hope to inspire many non-executive and executive boards with that to demonstrate with, I mean, I think we have around 85 business cases in that book on how sustainability and technology join together and make both a company more successful, but also make up for lost time, so to say, in achieving those sustainable development goals. I can continue talking, Frederick, but I think this were a couple of notions. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think some great observations there. Obviously, we're very passionate about ESG preparedness in the boardroom. Committees are definitely a big part of that. Uh, but you're right. There is no right way of doing it per se. You can have that as part of a different committee of the NOMCO or the, the Corporate Governance Committee, or you can have an external advisory board. I think if we can bring it down to that purpose and that uh, great book, Prosperity by Colin Mayer of the site Business School, he gives a quote, and I'm paraphrasing now. It says, the board is the custodian of a corporation's purpose. And th I think that's so spot on and essentially what you just said. Absolutely. Um, that, that is so important, right? And then everything else follows to that as an action point. Okay, great. Technology for good, Marga. Uh, the new book, we will be looking out for this. Absolutely. Before we wrap, though, I still would like to ask you two questions, which we post to all of our guests here and this is my favorite part of of the podcast um marga what is your favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on yourself or society at large does someone or corporation come to mind uh no you make me think really hard uh, frederick i couldn't say just one company but what inspires me the most are those companies and then often those ceos that are truly purpose-driven with our company, who have the courage to really focus on a purpose and that have the courage to do that whilst at that time knowing where they want to go to but not knowing how to exactly do it because those things go hand in hand and that have the courage to set a bold objective because that is what works in the end not to say we're going to do a little bit less this or we're going to reduce our, our carbon footprint or anything like that, but just say, no, we want to go to zero, preferably even beyond zero, and then time will tell how we'll do it. Uh, those people are the most inspiring because they lift up the way we look at leadership, like you mentioned about uh, prosperity and following the purpose 
I particularly like those leaders who are not afraid to bring forward that multi-stakeholder capitalism, which we're talking about then now, includes the shareholder. And that it means finding the sweet spot between sustainability or the global challenges, financial performance, market opportunities, and preferably, from my perspective, also technology. If they do that, for me, they're very inspiring. And to say, no, my company must be part of a solution and not a problem. And many companies do that. And many more companies now make that purpose clear in a statement like Philips, you know, unlocking health opportunities for all those people around the world, making a big scale, but also saying, and specifically bring within reach for those that don't have access now, you know, that holistic purpose, those people inspire me the most. And I can think of at least a dozen who do that. Well, that brings us back to what your grandfather said, that leadership is a privilege. Those people you just mentioned certainly are embracing that notion as well. Absolutely. And then lastly, Marga, is there one particular piece of advice that you could give our listeners that they can make part of their leadership toolkit and start applying today to set them up for more positive societal impact? I know there are probably many, but is any particular piece that comes to mind? Well, maybe you wouldn't expect this because people always give these to-do lists. But I think as a leader, if you truly want to be a good leader, I think authentically determine your purpose and follow that. I think that's much more useful than the list with do A, B, C, D, which is always very instrumental. But if you do that, your impact will be huge because people sense that, people know that, and people follow that. That's a great closing. Marga, I very much enjoyed our conversation today. Purpose definitely was a big threat. That's a big takeaway for me that we need to keep watching that. Thanks so much for coming on today. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership Conversations. To follow our work and learn more about our reports, please check out our website, boardreport.org and sign up to our newsletter. You can also find us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Details can be found in the podcast description. 